Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadists for Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizwi and I'm here with Armin Navabi who is back uh, from Europe. Armin, welcome back. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so as you know, in the past few episodes, we did some, I, I did a couple of solo episodes and then Armin also did a few solo ones, but now we're back together as a team. And hey. uh, this is, and, and we've got the perfect guest for this as well. Yes. Um, yeah, today, and uh, we've been kind of waiting to have him on for a while. Uh, we have Corey Gill Schuster. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Happy to be here. Great. So, so Corey is, uh, he's a creator of the Ask an Israeli, Ask a Palestinian project. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Corey was born in Ottawa. So you're a fellow Canadian? Yeah. And, uh, and you spent 20 years in Israel. Uh, you have a, a, a master's degree in uh, conflict studies from the University of Ottawa. And currently you're working as the director of the International Program in Conflict Resolution and Mediation at the Tel Aviv University. So, so I think uh, we're going to have a, a lot to talk about here on this show. We have talked about the uh, Israel-Palestine issue quite a bit uh, from all kinds of different angles. As you know, Armin grew up in Tehran, Iran. I uh, grew up in Saudi Arabia and Pakistan. So we've seen uh, this from all kinds of different angles. Both of us now live in uh, Canada. Uh, I've lived in the U.S. a lot. There's been, you know, we've traveled extensively. So um, we were just, uh, we're actually really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this. So just to start with um there is currently let's start with what's happening currently right now so there's an election coming up in october yeah. in uh, two days yeah and uh it's and there was a very recent election this is a, another yeah. election that's happened very close after that we'll i'm hoping you can kind of explain the details of that a little bit uh but uh, uh benjamin netanyahu has promised right now that he's going to annex uh, large portions of the West Bank uh, as a campaign thing, um, but I, I, I was sorry. Were you going to say something? No, I was going to say if, if I remember correctly, he said it was the Jordan Valley. Oh, the Jordan specifically, Valley. Okay. and then there's the idea of annexing parts of the West Bank, and it, nobody's ever very clear. I'm assuming that means the Jew, area C of the West yeah. Bank, which is primarily where the Jewish settlements are, and right. it leaves out the core Palestinian areas, but nobody's ever very clear on that when they make those sort of... Uh, this is a very des this this is a very desperate move to get more votes. Like, oh, is it? It's, it, but it's, it's, it's political trick, I think, but... Yeah. It's political what, sorry? Trick. Because yeah. I don't see how legally he can do it, but, you know, um, who knows? Okay. It, it, it seems pretty impossible to be able to do something like that. Is it, or is it, I mean, I don't know, like, is it, am I right that it seems like extremely difficult to do something? I, like I'm that? not, a, I'm not an international law expert. You got to ask an international lawyer <laughs> right. uh, or a political site. Actually, I ask an international lawyer. My understanding is that it's really difficult because you're going to have the wrath of the world for making these uh, one-sided uh, moves uh, on the issue. I know a lot of Israelis, let's say the Jordan Valley, which is 
everything other than Jericho itself is pretty sparse of Palestinians. Most Israelis actually think it should be annexed to Israel anyways. It's always, for a long time, a lot of Israelis thought it should, as, as a security buffer between the Arab world and, and Israel. Yep. Then it gets more complicated if it's the Jewish settlements being annexed into Israel as well. The problem with the security buffer zone is that it keeps moving. Once you create a buffer, now you have to make a new buffer zone to to protect that buffer zone, right? Isn't that the isn't that the trick? Well, in old style wars, land wars between the Jordan or Syria, you wanted to have a lot of land in between you and your enemy. So when they came through with tanks, uh, you would have that buffer zone, physical buffer zone. Um, today, it's a little bit different. People shoot Scud missiles and, and right. all kinds of rockets. I, I don't know. It, it seems sort of a little bit outdated. But I think it just, it right. just feeds into the fear and paranoia most Israeli Jews fear when it comes to the Arab world, that the Arab world always wants to attack it. Uh, the goal of Islam is to, is to throw the Jews in the sea. So it feeds into the paranoia of the people who are going to vote for them. So I think that's mm-hmm. the reason. Right. If, if, if you ask most Israelis, they think it's not a bad idea, though. Well, it's, it's about half-half. I just actually just... Yeah, it's half, yeah. It's about 50-50. And, so, and, and sorry, can, just regarding... The, I don't want to move past this because the buffer zones are the and the security threat is the only non-religious argument uh, Israel uses for the, you know, constantly moving forward, right? Like most of... It's yeah. either the religious so, argument yeah. and... The, yeah, okay. Religious security... Having more room, but I don't know where that fits into whether security or religion. Yeah. That's right. just sort of a, they use that with the Golan sometimes. It's nice to have a nice green space mm-hmm. um, sometimes, but that's not a major argument. That's a minor argument that sometimes people. Make. So yeah, so so let's let's zoom out just a little bit and let's talk about you know what's what's going on currently uh, with this situation, just with the current events, and then we'll go uh, more to uh, the the work that you do. Because I think this is something I our, have a our lot of questions, are. by the way. I don't know if I would be able to ask all of them. But I'll try. So let's let's see. So, um, yeah, so, so we're just going to let's just talk about this and then we'll go into the work that you do. Uh, um, so we had uh, can you just talk a little bit, give us a brief summary of what's going on with the elections? Because we know about uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, that scandal uh, that, that he's in the middle of um, his uh, sort of break from Avigdor Lieberman. Um, and then, you know, that's the, the first election that happened. And then now, you know, this new election that's been going on. So can you kind of summarize that for just just for listeners who uh, I'll do my best. But really, this is not my this is not my wheelhouse. Actually, everything oh, yeah, okay. I do is to avoid political discussions in the sense yeah, um, yeah. I'm much more interested in what people think and believe. Right. Me well, too. Yes, I, do, I, I wasn't in, in, you know, I voted in the last election, Israeli election, and I, I know what's going on, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, the, they, the only reason I'm asking is just to, uh, because we do want to get into that, what, what you do. But just for that, I, j- I just want a little bit of a background for the for the listeners. So speak to political science for, 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 the re- <laughs> for the actual reasons, uh, according to them. Yeah. Um, so there was an election, and the way it works in Israeli elections is whoever wins the most seats slash whoever can form the government. And a government means out of 120 seats in the parliament, they have to have at least 61 to form a government. Um, so usually it's the largest party. In this case, it was it was Netanyahu who was the largest party, um, and he was actually um, uh, given the uh, by the president uh, the job of forming a government, and he wasn't able to because a few of the smaller parties uh, refused to join. Well, it was Lieberman really who refused to join his government. 
Um, some people say it's because Lieberman just doesn't like him and they don't get along anymore. Some people say it's for uh, more moral reasons because Netanyahu was trying to make all these backroom deals um, because there are pending possible uh, court cases and nobody's decided whether or not to indict him, I think. Uh, anyways, it, it fell apart. After a certain amount of days, you have to form a government and it couldn't. So they had to go for the first time in Israeli history, a, n a new round of elections. Right. I don't see from everyone I speak to and from the polling, I don't see a huge change in the numbers. So it'll be interesting to figure out who's going to make that government or if it'll be some sort of coalition government between the two largest parties. Uh, um, Probably, yeah. Uh, blue and white. Um, that I personally is what I'm hoping for because that's probably the best they can do. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there who want there to be a left-wing government. That's never going to happen or not going to happen for a very long time. Sadly, the Israeli left is is decimated. It's been that way since... It's seen as weak. Well, as see, that it's because of the Second Intifada. The Second Intifada right. destroyed any hope of or what the left-wing represents in Israel, which is really sad to me, but that's because I'm kind so of come from... Right. So, so, when so it it'll be some sort of right-wing government. How right? Who knows? So when it comes to what people think, um, how does that play into like conflict resolution? Like, if we if we're focusing on what people's opinions are, is the idea that uh, changing things from the bottom up rather than the top, uh, rather than doing political changes, like is 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 the idea like go on? I think you're. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, and and I actually don't make the claim that the bottom up approach actually will absolutely work. I actually don't think it will. Um, the sad thing is that it's leaders who make those decisions and you come, and a leader comes along once in a while who really does change the landscape of things. Um, uh, people point to Sadat for making a change in how he thought about Israel and making peace with Israel. That's how things really, I think, um, really change on the ground. But I'm just a guy and uh, who has opinions and has some insights and all I can really do is show what's missing from, or at least I felt was missing from this mm. conflict, is that everyone out there, um, everyone in the outside world is talking about Israel and Palestinians, and very few of them know what's really important to Israelis and Palestinians. And I thought, well, actually, originally it started off as maybe I'll create a dialogue between Israelis and Palestinians. And in my first video that I went to the West Bank and asked Palestinians questions, I realized very quickly they are very uninterested in any dialogue. They, yes. they don't care at all. Israelis are a little more interested. Yes, they are. That's actually, that's actually very interesting because when I was talking to uh, people in Tel Aviv, they seemed to be very... Uh, like they, they, I couldn't find two people that could agree. Uh, but in Palestine, but in, when I was in Palestine in Ramallah, the interesting thing is that the only thing that united atheists in Ram in Palestine and Muslims in Ramallah is not normalizing talking with Israel. Yeah. Not no yeah. so n b they agreed on both uh, both on that. So it seems like we're hitting a wall when it comes to Palestinians. Yes. Okay. And the thing that I learned, and we could talk about this if you want, but. The, the dynamic, because people always ask me, is it different between Hebron and Nablus? Is it different between these groups and those groups? The only thing I really noticed that surprised me with Palestinians was the more educated, um, the, the more wealthy you are, generally, uh, the more anti-Israel you are. The guy who sells bread on the streets of Nablus doesn't like Israelis, doesn't, want, doesn't really recognize Israel uh, in the way that Israelis would want. 
Um, but he's willing to live with Israel because he sees a practicality to it. The people, people in Ramallah who uh, go to Birzeit and you know sit in, in coffee shops and you know eat in semi fancy restaurants, they just want Israel to disappear. They're waiting for for Palestine to be recreated, mm-hmm. and that's the only dynamic that I found that you when know, people ask about young, young and old or you know rural versus city, that's the one that surprised me. That's that. So that's interesting, but. I, I don't go, is there a difference? And I guess this is for both, you know, Corey, you, Adam, you've been doing this for a very long time. Um, and Armin also who, who went there recently is, is the reason, could there be a, a, the reason that the Palestinians are not as willing uh, in your experience to uh, engage in that kind of dialogue or to even normalize the idea of talking to, to Israel? Uh, is that, is that, does the power differential play a role into yeah. it, that, that, that yeah, Israel yeah, totally. is the occupier and then totally, the Palestinians totally, are totally. They're occupied and they're not in control of... Uh... Right, right, okay. Yeah, this is my own bias because I come from conflict resolution, so I see everything through the lens of identity, that, right. that Palestinians, Palestinians are in, desperately in search of a very strong, or to base their identity in roots. Um, it's not that they don't have an identity. Obviously, Palestinians have an identity. I don't buy that whole thing about, you know, Palestine was born five minutes ago. There are elements, oh, yeah. I understand what people are saying, but Palestinian culture has existed for a very long time. But Israel, just to give, give you a count, Israel not only has power, it's also had the, the roots of institutions for at least 1920. Besides Judaism and biblical and, and biblical narratives and Jewish communities who were in contact with each other 150 years ago, if you even just take modern Israeli society, you had things like universal health care, you had things like uh, uh, labor unions, uh, you had institutions that were formed in the 1920s, an army that was formed 1920s um, to give is- Israelis a sense of roots and belonging to a country. Palestinians mm. don't have that. They have a very dysfunctional government, and that's all they have. They have that and uh, being combatants. So they don't have a lot to draw on to feel a sense of pride in who they are. So this is my opinion, totally. They they use Israelis as the boogeyman, and for for re- good reasons. I don't mean it in it's it's uh, invented. Good, good and for, bad reasons, right? Good well, I mean, bad. in the sense of Israel is the boogeyman to them. I get it. It's not that I'm I'm disagreeing with them. I, I what I always and I made a video about this years and years ago. Is that what another thing that surprised me about them is. The level of hatred towards Israel is disproportionate to how much they suffer. Mm-hmm. And I personally, I state this all the time and someday I'll do this. I would like to go live in the West Bank in a Palestinian village or city. I don't think it's that bad. It's not great. It's not terrific. But I was in Egypt and I was in Jordan. And I think the West Bank is better to live but in. Gaza. Than West Bank or Jordan. Gaza, Gaza is awful. Yeah. It's awful. No, no, I'm not. I'm starting the West Bank. Gaza, right. I haven't been since 1990 and I kind of only went through. Um, at least from what I hear, it sounds awful. The West Bank, even the poorest places, uh, I've been to a lot of refugee camps in the West Bank. I don't think it's that bad. I live in South Tel Aviv and my conditions are very similar. Um, so other than it's easier for me to get a job and easier for me to make money. And yes, I agree. It's not, I'm not saying it's black and white. I'm just saying I don't think it's that bad. No, Ramallah was fantastic. I had so much fun there. Yeah. Um, but but so isn't that this? Um, I, I know this is very simplistic, but isn't the uh, solution seem to be 
creating those institutions in Palestine? Because if, if it's a question of identity, it seems like a lot of Palestinians, because there's not, not other sources of identity, their entire identity has been defined as being anti-Israeli. Yeah. But if we yeah. create those institutions, maybe, like I just recently saw a protest in, in Palestine um, against uh, honor killing. Yeah. And I feel like if, if you, if that's great. Like if you see yeah. more of that and more other things for, for yeah. people to focus on and build the institution and build identities, LGBT rights, um, you know, women rights, people build, uh, start protesting and doing activism on yeah. other issues. I think creating those identities might be the solution. I agree 100%. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, yeah. I don't have much hope in it happening because Salam Fayyad, who was the prime minister, if I'm getting it right, a couple of years ago, really did try to create institutions in Palestine and really tried to uh, situate it in, in, in the global uh, conversation of what, what it means to be have Palestinian institutions. And he and I don't know if it had to do with that, but he was forced out of office. I don't know really the reasons. You have to ask somebody who's Palestinian. I can connect you to people who understand this much better than me. Um, but I don't see like even when I said to somebody a Canadian came to visit me and she said, I want to go to an industrial zone in Palestine. And so I said, oh, that's a really good idea. So I asked Palestinian friends and they laughed at me. They said, there's no such thing as an industrial zone. There's like a little area near Bethlehem. There's like one street that has something. And I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, maybe they were exaggerating. I don't know. Um, but that says a lot that there's just nothing behind the scenes creating real stability for Palestinians. And from what I hear from Palestinians, at least on camera, um, or what they tell me is the fight uh, against Israel takes precedence of over everything. That's what. It, but I haven't asked that specific question, so I. So, so are they? Are they? Uh, sorry, Armin. One one thing. So I, I have a thought I wanted to get through because, like, just uh, you know, growing up in Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, I know that there are people who try to do this, like the protests you mentioned, Armin, against honor killings. There are other people who who talk about free speech. Uh, they talk about other sort of universal values and and trying to bring it forward. But the problem is that that. In, in places that are very anti-West, for instance, they yeah. say, well, these are Western values. Now you're turning into the West, you're losing our identity, as if the only identity we can possibly have is a sort of conservative fundamentalist one. So they sometimes conflate that. So, so when people in Palestine, if they start doing honor killings, fine, but if they start talking about free speech, if they start talking about democratic values or secularism, won't people say, oh, you're do you want to turn into Israel? Like and, and they wouldn't there be that sentiment that they may conflate it because well, secularism I, for sure yeah values again for uh, um, women and maybe not empowerment of women but at least seeing women as somewhat equal I don't get that impression from Palestinians that it's okay. that bad but secularism for sure that seems to be a big issue so I, I, even even aside it as a from threat. secularism sometimes you know when people talk about free speech or people talk about like the, the secularism has a bad rap there in general because. Uh, you know, I know in, in when we talk about secularism here, we think of freedom over there. When they think, think of secularism, they think, well, Israel is a secular uh, uh, country and it's I don't occupying. know if that's what comes to their I don't know if that's what comes to their mind. I'm not or, sure. Or I think even, they see the West more as, yeah. as you know, America the, and Europe. Yeah, right? even, so, even the Arab dictators, a lot of the Arab dictators, the Shah of Iran, a lot of the dictatorships happen to be more secular um, in the Arab world in general. So they have a they have a different association with it than. Than they say than say we do here in the west in the west. Yeah, Armin. 
So no, I'm, I'm, it's, I want to go back to what, when you're saying like um, you think the major changes happen uh, from a political side rather than p changing people's opinion on the ground. For me, it's a bit um, I don't I'm a bit confused because you're doing conflict resolution and you're also mm -hmm. focusing. I mean, I'm interested in looking on how to change, make major changes by reaching out to the people on the ground and looking at what their opinions are saying. So I don't. Are you really thinking that there is not? There's not much changes. Like I mean, you're trying to do conflict resolution, and you're also focusing on people's opinions. So how don't you not see that the solution to resolving conflict comes from? Then why are you focusing on people's opinion if 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 you don't think that's the source of resolving I'm conflict? A, I'm a pessimist. That's that's who I am. I see only the bad <laughs> in every situation, and I have to focus on the bad because that's who I am. But yeah. I have to make jokes about it. Right. I I just think it's naive um, to 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 think. That if you get a few people to protest, or if you get a few people to believe the way you believe, it's going to create a huge change. I, I'm probably, I, mean, I hope I'm wrong. I really do because I, I, mean, I want have... everyone to think in in these liberal, uh, idealistic, great you know, ways of, of you know, that we should all get along. I do want it. I just don't see it happening. And I find the more you challenge people, at least at first, the more they fight against it. Now maybe I mean... it, it does seep in. Maybe. I mean, we have Gandhi, Mandela, Martin Luther King. We have seen examples of big, major changes in history happening because of uh, opinions on the ground. Right. So, I but they were, but they were, they were charismatic leaders who were right. able to take a huge group of people with them. That's right. different. That's not me. I'm not a charismatic so, leader. Mm -hmm. I say inappropriate things. I'm not taking anyone with me. So to create those leaders and to to get to create those identities that you mentioned on on women's rights, you know, gay rights and other things like just even economic stuff, people's you know, health issues, environment, what mm -hmm. we can do is like find fellow activists uh, in Palestine and just shine a light on them and give them a global platform, like maybe like to yeah. to encourage that kind of activism. The problem with that though uh, is that I actually a lot of people think that you are actually distracting when you do try to focus on that kind of activism. Some people that want to focus on Israel see you as the enemy because you're distracting yeah. them from the real problem. But yeah, I always that's, find that nonsensical. I, it gets on my nerves because I, you can't you can't solve a huge problem like Israel and Palestine. You just can't in by uh, boycotting. It's just not. Gonna, I don't see it how it's going to work. Boycotting. You, so you're yeah. against the BDS or how so? Ah, okay. It's very complex. I don't have an issue with a boycott in itself, because yeah, because okay. I mean I have my own opinions and I'm people to, to support. But no, 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 I have an issue with BDS yeah. in particular because the BDS movement, is, besides being incredibly hypocritical, um, its goal is the destruction or the destruction is not the right word, the uh, uh, undoing of Israel. Mm. It doesn't want Israel to exist as run by Jews or heavily involved by Jews. I don't know how you just, I don't want to say Jewish state because that has a whole other, I mean, I have no problem with the Jewish state, but because I'm a Jew, but um, it has, it's trying to undo Israel and return to Palestine in 1947. That's the, the how well, I understand I, I, it. Then I have a problem with it because it doesn't take into consideration. Well, one okay. second, Armin, Ar Ar okay. one second. Just to add to that, to clarify, um, and here's the issue. There's, I mean, when you, Norman Finkelstein, right, who is like a, a very, very sort of hard left, pretty much anti-Israel, anti-Zionist guy. He came out against BDS in a very, very vocal way. And um, but he, he said the same thing that you're saying. And the detail is that, you know, when, when you go for a one state solution, if you say there's going to be a one state solution, then that essentially translates to the end of Israel. 
right? Yes. And they know that. So anybody yes, who advocates for it, right? Uh, someone who, leg who legitimately believes that this should be a binational state that has a secular, uh, 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 everyone here is equal, truly equal, and everyone here has the freedom to believe what they want and think what they want and do what they want. I actually don't even have a big issue with that, although I have personally uh, uh, believe that Israel should it should exist because the Jews need a place, but I think the Palestinians need a place. Right. But if you want to transform this into a Canada, let's say, which is hypocritical because why isn't Germany doing that and why isn't Japan doing that and why isn't every other country in the world doing that, but okay. But hey, if, Dean, if what? you do, sorry, uh, transforming themselves into this completely pluralistic, e egalitarian, Right. place well, single for state. all peoples single state like japan has J japan you can't immigrate to japan right. germany right. has very strict conditions on who can stuff like that right. but even if they did mean that in theory i'm okay with it but that's not what they want that's yeah. not what i get from palestinians they want it to be palestine and an islamic palestine and a conservative somewhat islamic Oof. palestine but it, it, isn't it going to end up isn't it going to wouldn't it end up like if you talk about a single state if you have a single state, within a few years, if not already, more than 50% of the population is Arab. So if you have a single state that is also a democracy, then that is effectively yes. the end of yes, a Jewish that's, state. That's uh, yeah. Right? So, so, and, and so that's, that's where you have to choose between... Is and then we're turning Jewish ourselves state? into... And then we're purposely, if let's say I, I, let's say I support it, then we, are, we are going in a direction to create another Lebanon or another Yugoslavia because this is a tribal area of the world. And I, I point this out to people who are non-Muslim Arabs in this, or Kurds, they're not Arabs, I know. Um, I always say that um, th this would turn into just tribal warfare in the same way that Christians in the Middle East are just waiting for their turn to show it to the Muslims. The Kurds are waiting for their turn to give it to the Arabs. Uh, everyone is waiting for their turn to control. And I, I don't want that type of, I don't want a tribal uh, so go, going back, going back to the BDS. Um, so I'm against the BDS as well, just to clarify. But uh, the people that defend it, when I say that this is very anti-Jewish, they say they they say there's different brand, there's different kinds of the BDS movement. Not all of the people that support the BDS are supporting the kind that wants the end of the uh, a Jewish state. Um, they, some people and the support. There's different kinds of versions of it uh, that just wants to put pressure on Israel to treat Palestinians better. So that's one defense. Yeah. Is you okay? But I don't. I, 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 don't, don't, have, I don't even have an issue with that. Actually, I, I, I don't either. Yeah. Think... Sometimes I'm just not sure if it's going to work. Um, right. If it did, you know, I'm against it because it's hurting it. people. It's hurting people that are not involved in the conflict at all. Like I, it's hurting right. local business owners and also even Arab uh, business, you know, yeah, employees true, and true, stuff. True, right. true. Sure. Okay, you just so, see that as a small as a small cost. So, but I agree. I I, I know a lot of Arabs who have suffered uh, in the West Bank, Palestinians. Right. Um, they lost jobs because right. they work in places. Because why is it hypocritical? Why is the BDS uh, hypocritical? Because you mentioned it's hypocritical. Oh, I mean that if if people, all I ask is that people treat if is if you're criticizing Israel, then treat other countries to the same standards. Right. So selective. So it's very selective, and it's very it, it incredible. That's why I believe there is a little bit of anti-Semitism in this, I think. And I'm not one of these people who cries anti-Semitism. I always find it ridiculous. But why is no one going after Japan for its immigration policies? Why is nobody uh, looking at laws in Germany um, mm. that are anti-immigration, uh, even though they take in a lot of immigrants, but they have a lot of laws that aren't... Uh, uh, 
I, I just want, if you're going to criticize Israel, then criticize the rest of the world in the same way. I'm okay and, with that. And it's not even, you don't even have to go that far. I mean, we're looking at the Arab neighbors. I mean, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is like, everybody loves Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Trump, I mean, this is where the 9-11 hijackers came from, where Osama bin Laden's from, everything. I, I, you know, Donald Trump loves them. Everybody loves them. They're all sort of like just ass kissing Saudi Arabia all the time. Um, the boycott movement for Saudi Arabia, the boycott movement for Assad, yeah. the boycott yeah. movement for, you know, so, so there are, th this is one problem. And I, I again, I, I agree. I, I'm not a fan of especially Israeli policies right now. I'm not a fan of the occupation. Yeah. I think that the settlement building and expansion is wrong. But I think that you can have those positions and be pro-Palestinian in that sense without supporting something like the BDS, which harms the cause. I, I, I think it harms the cause of both people. There are Zionists. I met Zionists that are against the settlement. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. people, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Zionism is, you know, it's just it's just a term. It depends on how you define it. So, yeah. you know, most people in Israel would define themselves as a Zionist, and they don't mean what you think they mean at all. Exactly. That's, it's something that drives me crazy about how the world speaks about it. Yeah. Now, I, mean, I don't agree with their some versions of Zionism, but but at least know what you're talking about. That's all I have. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with the early version of Zionism, which was completely secular before it got mixed with their religion. But I, I, I was introduced to, like, the Zionism that I was introduced to was completely different from the Zionists that I was introduced to when I went to Israel. So it was... But when you talk to the people on the ground do you what do they uh, both in palestine and israel do they mostly do they know what they want do they are they just anti-israeli or anti like hamas or do they want do they like we want a one-state solution or two-state solution do they understand that do israelis that want that are supporting netanyahu do they understand that bringing a one like making a two-state solution difficult is going to bring the end of israel because the only alternative is a one-state solution. Like, do, what what sense do you get from people? The, the answer the answer to all this question is no. Nobody has any clue. Uh, right. And people people speak in slogans. At least that's what I I find. Most people use these slogans. I'm a Zionist, or I I believe in Palestine from river to sea, or I, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Without having really understand any good understanding of what that means, mm -hmm. or even what the effects of their beliefs are. They don't think this, this is the Middle East. People think right in front of their face. Whatever is in front of them, whatever is part of their tribe, whoever that is, and I don't just mean Jews and Palestinians, within each of those or smaller tribes, whatever is, uh, they, they just, I don't even know how to explain it. They don't think much about anything. That's what I find. It's, it's rare it's, to find someone, it's, it's always a surprise on either side, to find somebody who's really thought out their political and their political views. It's about being loyal. It's about being loyal to your tribe. But this is not a Middle Eastern problem. This is actually a global problem. I think. I, I was just going to say exactly that. Like the no, I, I was just going to say exactly that. A lot of it's indoctrination. I mean, if you look at the case of Ilhan Omar, right, and the congresswoman uh, in the U.S., she came out and she said some things, and she was trying to make a point against Israeli policy, and she brought in all these anti-Semitic tropes that. I, I, I know a lot of people who repeat those things and they've just been indoctrinated with it since they were yeah. kids. I mean, if you grow Do you up think it's reality? Middle East, you think it's reality and you grow up and you, you don't really realize until you, you, you go out and you, in, in, into the world and into a free society where there's a pluralistic society and, and you realize, oh, okay, so th this is what the history of this statement is. Yeah. Right? Th this is where it comes from, like the dual citizen, the dual loyalty yeah. uh, claim. Um, it seems harmless. It doesn't seem like, well, what's so anti-Semitic about this? I'm just saying, you know, what I think. But, but there is a history behind it. That, that's why it's called a, a so, trope. So, 
I, I think that there a lot of that plays into it as well. One thing I like when you mentioned people being ignorant. One thing I noticed people were ignorant uh, about in both Israel and Palestine is the opinions on the other side. And this is why yeah. your YouTube channel is fu- is fucking amazing. By the way, did we yeah. did we did we plug it in? Did we plug that? Sorry, the YouTube channel. Like, oh no, no, we're, we're going to let's do it do now. Let's All right, now. yeah, but so this is this is actually a good way to mention your YouTube channel because when I talk to Palestinians, telling them that. There are many Israelis that are against uh, against the settlements. I, I even met Israelis that were make, were justifying terrorist attacks on Israel. Like that was how extreme some Israelis were. Like they were like, of course, they were like saying like, well, if people were treating me like that, of course, I would probably do the same thing as Hamas. Yeah. Like, well, well you, also, you also have to understand something about Jewish culture, at least the way it's developed in the last hundred years. I don't know if this is ancient or not, but for every opinion the person in front of you has, you're going to have a contrarian opinion. Yeah. And I can give you really funny examples of people who said the exact opposite of what they said the week before. Wow. And it's not that they don't mean it. They're doing it. It's a, it's a sort of fun way of debating. Right. And that probably does come from ancient Jewish culture. So, so but, um, yeah, and it makes it fun. I, I, I actually enjoy that aspect of it. But, the, but Palestinians introduced, when I mentioned that to a lot of people in Palestine, that there are, people, there are Israelis that think like that, to, to a lot of them it comes as a surprise. Yeah, and also yeah. to Israelis comes as a surprise that there are an atheist, secular uh, Palestinians that are against Islam in Palestine to them it came out Chicago. like you guys are next to each other and I'm not even from here and I, I know. And, and I there's like I know more about you I guys. know right so, so maybe, know. is there is there an element I think you because you know you're talking about people who who justify suicide bombing so obviously there's no justification for of suicide bombings and going and, and killing innocent people of course but uh, but is there uh, because there are people like I've heard this said in even in my extended family where, where people discuss these things and I, I, I don't agree with it. But, you know, they say that, well, when you're in a situation, if you're occupied and you don't have your freedom, you don't you can't choose the fi- your leaders. You have to go through checkpoints to work at all of the all of all of that stuff. Um, and, and you're in that situation and you are so economically disenfranchised that you don't have any other option. Uh, then you're going to resort to violence. And they say it's not terrorism. It's insurgency. Because insurgency is, you know, when you have an invading force uh, and you're resisting it versus terrorism. They call resistance here, but yeah, but okay. Yeah, yeah resistance or insurgency. So um, do, as, as somebody who's talked to both sides, do you see, I mean, again, no justification for the violence and the killing of innocents. No, but okay. do, you see, yeah, do you see uh, any basis in that? Do you sort of see it in any, from an empathetic perspective? Oh, me um, personally? Or yeah, do you go in a different direction? Okay. No, no, no. I, I'm asking you personally just because you've talked to these people and, and you've listened to them. So do you kind of see where they're coming from? Yes and no. So I, I mean, for, for all these behaviors, I know where they come from. It's not that I, I'm completely shocked how, you know, where is this yeah. coming from? Again, I go back to, and this is just me, and I get in trouble with a lot of people for this. I have a lot of very left-wing friends who, who think I'm ridiculous. Um, I just see, I don't think, the economic situation in the West Bank is not that bad. They think it's awful. But I see people, you're in Ramallah, forget about Ramallah, go to Bethlehem, go to, go to Nablus, go to Janine, people walking around shopping all the time. That's all, every, yeah. that's all everybody's doing. Now, they're shopping for Chinese crap, no offense, but most of it is not that great. <laughs> but there, uh, there's a lot going on. People, I can't, I mean, I, I see how they're kind of scrambling to get money because it's very uncertain. 
So that is true. It's very uncertain. But people do have more money than, well, I saw, okay, I was in Egypt a long time ago, but I'm assuming nothing has changed. I saw real poverty in Egypt that, you know, like India type of poverty. Um, no offense to Indians. But the West Bank doesn't have that kind of poverty. There but are it's more people, about... Uh, uh, so, sorry, don't, so, no, but just to say, I, I have a hard time justifying based on occupation or economic suffering or uh, checkpoints. I think I think I had a friend who was Arab-Israeli who, when we were going through the checkpoints, this is years and years ago, he said, you don't understand what it's like to be an Arab man to have to take your belt off for a Jew. And I was like looking at him going, holy fuck, what the hell is wrong with you? You will go through an airport. You have no problem doing that to an, for an American. You go to Turkey, you have no problem doing it. You go to the Jordanians, you have no problem doing it. Right. But because it's a Jew, you have a problem. So th this is this is my issue. It's not that I, 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 I understand where they're coming from. If I was living there, I would be frustrated. I would just be frustrated about different things. I, to me, the what they think is important or, the, or their frustrations, I get it. I, that's not what would frustrate me. What would frustrate well, me living yeah. in the West Bank is lack of infrastructure, is no proper highways, uh, is lack of economic planning, is lack of vision. And that's the thing that drives me crazy in Israel. There's no political vision in any way. So, so that's a problem that Palestinians could fix and only Palestinians could fix. Like that's not something that is, um, is, that, is that the fault of the Palestinian government rather than Israel? Well, which the lack like, of how they, the things, how they do the, things, infrastructure, yeah, the, the things that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's. I'm sure there's some. I'm sure if you uh, research this really, really, really well, which is something I actually want to do. I have this idea for a project to research exactly this. How much is Israel to blame for the infrastructure issues, for example? Right. I know everyone likes to blame Israel for the water. I know the people who are actually on the water negotiating panel. It's, it's someday you should meet these people because it was a fascinating discussion because Israelis were helping the Palestinians to see where the issues were and the Palestinians felt lost. This is 20 years ago. This is not now. Um, I, a lot of it is the corruption and a certain, um, what, what would be the word, uh, just almost like a laziness about it uh, of, well, it's too big a problem. I don't know what to do. So we're just not going to deal with it. But, so each but individual family. The two solutions. The two solutions no, no. that let me add to the let me just summarize. I think the mm -hmm. two solutions that I'm thinking about right now, like just long term planning. One is to encourage activism to put pressure on the uh, on the Palestinians authorities to create infrastructures and and create a different sense of identity. That's number one. Number two, I think it would be uh, to introduce Palestinians to Israelis to, with each other and get them to maybe uh, know each uh, other more. Like well, a, good luck with that. Well, that's uh, the most taboo subject you can bring up. I, I actually You're better off telling them to leave Islam than they are to say. We actually say we, we met people we we met people well, Let's on, do that then. Yeah. The, the whole, yeah. There's there's a minority of them that are interested in that but but we have met people that are interested in that. There and are, the thing right. is that we need to highlight the people that are interested in that so that to encourage more of it. That's what I'm but, thinking. But I I I want to kind of go back to because we we talked about that uh, sort of the whether you relate to where the Palestinians are coming from and so the but aside from the economics of the infrastructure, you know, a lot of that, you know, when they they say that they're occupied, they say that there are our houses are being torn down, their settlements being built and, you know, all of this stuff. Um, we don't know. Yeah. I understand. No, that sure, I'm, just saying, I'm saying the 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 OK, it's a, whole I mean, a, a, a lot of it yeah. is about I, I think a lot of the issue 
Um, and yes, there is absolute anti-Semitism there. I know that. I, again, I grew up in Saudi Arabia and Pakistan. I know that that is, that is a very central core element of it, no matter how many, how many people try to deny it or cloak it as something else. But there is an element of, I think, a, a dignity element that, okay, we don't yes. have a state. Yes. We can't form yes, our yes, own yes. army. Yes. We can't form our own defense. Our air, our air, yes. you know, our... I agree. This is mostly control. psychological yeah. to me. To, in my opinion, yeah. this is mainly psychological. I'm not saying they're making it up. Don't don't think I'm thinking that at all. I'm saying um, they feel no matter what they do, they're screwed. No what they do, they lose more and more. They don't and have so control, yeah. They don't have any control. And that's a mistake. That is a, absolutely a mistake on the part of Israel. That mm. absolutely. Um, of and when they were, and I understand in sense why what happened in Israel, why Israel did that, because when they were given, uh, you know, what's the phrase? You give a finger, they take the whole hand. There is a that did happen in yeah. a sense, and on both sides. I don't. I, I'm not saying Israel was absolutely with the settlement building and uh, um, things like that. It absolutely happened. Um, but yeah, it's this is a lot to do with uh, with attitude and and uh, how they see themselves. And they see themselves as losing more and more and more. And so they get to this conclusion that there's no point other than blowing themselves up. That's so how they, do you get, how do you, so the solution to that would be to give them some wins in some other areas without putting Israel at risk. So I think solution. So. I think yeah. so. That's my opinion. Yeah. But I'm not sure because I've seen places where they have done it. And it didn't. It, but this is also, understand, this is the Middle East. And everyone has a mentality which is very black and white. Right. At least the Middle East I know, Israelis and Palestinians, where it's very all or nothing, and they didn't give us everything. Forget it. We're taking nothing, and we want we want it all. It, it is a little bit like that. People are psychologically scarred by not just this conflict, but this attitude towards each other. That it would be very hard if you give little bits here and there. I don't see it making that much of a change. I would still do it. I would still give so, everything you can personally, because I think everything positive is positive. Do it. And it's better than nothing, but I don't know if it'll make that much of a change. So what are examples of, you said you have seen it, so what are some examples of that? Okay, um, so uh, the guy who created, who built the wall, the architect of the wall, we go in our program at Tel Aviv University, anyone who wants to join a master's in conflict resolution, we go on a tour with the guy who built the wall. Right. And according to him, it's actually in my videos, so you don't even have to come. You could just go look it up. Um, according to him, he was secretly uh, um, uh, different Palestinian groups, Christians and Muslims and different villages would come to him and say, we want to be on the Israeli side of the wall. And he would advocate for them. Um, or the Supreme Court uh, of Israel often advocates on what's just for Palestinians as well um, if it's brought to the Supreme Court. They don't always win. Um, but there are little examples here and there of them getting uh, certain things and getting or getting more water through renegotiation. Right, um, right. But the positives never, at least from what I hear, um, you never hear about it in the media, or at least in the Palestinian media. You would never hear about something good that Israel did because there's this idea in the Palestinian media and Al Jazeera that anything that Israel does must be bad, therefore, or, or it's a trick. It's usually interpreted as a trick. This is the way the Jews do. They're very crafty. They're very devious. So obviously they're giving this or the Gaza, Gaza pullout. That's another example. It was seen as a way, a bait and switch. So we'll pull out of Gaza, but we'll populate more of the West Bank with settlements. Now, there's a little bit of truth to that. It's not that it's completely 
a lie. There is a bit of truth to it. It just wasn't as much as they thought. So, so the solution to that, again, I'm acting like I, I have figured everything out. But I'm, just, I, I'm just brainstorming. <laughs> everything, everything I say is just <laughs> guessing. Okay, But the solution to that is instead of just building a way for Israel to give things, if we're, if we're talking about giving dignity, we have to do things that we have to sell it as if they took it, not that it was given to them because of Israel being charitable and kind, because that will never sell. We have sure. to do things that through their activism, through their efforts, you took something, you won something, you, and this is what this is your reward. And that's, I think, a major source of uh, dignity. Maybe. Maybe. And my issue with that as a Canadian is that, and it seemed this way, that Hamas won in Gaza because, look, Israel left. You see, the Jews only understand violence. And I have a problem with that as, I don't think that's a good tactic. And, it, and it's actually true. If you look at South Lebanon, Barak left South Lebanon because of violence. If you look at the Antifada, first Antifada, they went to Oslo because of the violence. Now we're stupid. The Israeli side is stupid because they allowed this to happen. Right, right, right. Um, I, I wish we could find mechanisms that both give them a sense of dignity and don't encourage future Violence. Well, I mean, they're not, they're, they're not stupid if their goal is to have violence or to... In, to... No, no, Israel is stupid. No, I mean, Israel is seeing not... That's the path that it's going to lead up to. I mean, Israel is not being stupid if the violence and the fear-mongering justifies your more votes and, you know, maybe that is ah, not... Then, so yes, there's a trade-off, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of things seem stupid when the government's doing it until you realize what the intentions are, and then you realize, okay, it wasn't actually stupid. It was but it's also stupid. short-term, and that's why I have a problem and with it. The, these are the, this is they, the, these are the layers of... They're short-term, but the goal is not to fix problems. The goal is to get re-elected, so that's why yeah. it's short-term. Sure. But yeah. if, you, if you define their... If you know what their actual goals are, then actually everybody is being very strategic. Everybody from all sides usually are being strategic when it comes to no, no, but these are, these are the layers of conf complexity that makes it, make this problem so difficult to understand, even for people who've been working on it for, for a very, very yeah. long time. Uh, so, uh, you know, one example, you know, we're talking about, for instance, the Palestinians, a lot of times, you know, they resist the occupation, they're resisting like the settlements. And then there's also an element of anti-Semitism. And that's what the problem is. Sometimes it's really, really hard to separate the two because there are people who are genuinely anti-Semitic who will take on these political causes that will totally resonate with people who may not be anti-Semitic and who mm -hmm. may just be doing it for their you know, own human dignity, yeah. their own yeah. whatever. And, and both of these things get conflated and you can't really put your finger on you know what it is. You'll have the pe people saying, "I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm not anti-Zionist. I'm anti-Zionist." And, and so then on. it turns into some ridiculous argument of whether or not somebody's anti-Semitic or anti-Zionist or whatever. Right, and Islamic. And this yeah. is not the issue. The issue should be, I think, practical solutions that everyone can benefit from. I, I yeah, I agree, and I, I think that's why I, some of what Armin is saying is, I, I'm just thinking, I'm looking at, Ar I'm hearing what Armin's saying, and it's making so much sense to me. And then I'm thinking that Jared Kushner was the guy who was out there. I was like, you know, Armin, you should be there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I, that's it. That's I have I have a question. Okay, but, I'll, but, but a question. can I? Can I? Yeah, I have a yeah, question. Sure. I, I wanted to go back to. So we were talking about the BDS uh, <laughs> movement and how they want a one-state solution, end of Israel, and so on. And then you know we're also talking about tribalism, the black and white. Everything's black and white the way people think. Um, so there is also this uh, element of. You know, the current, again, Benjamin Netanyahu, you know, he wants to do, and a lot of ways, he, it seems like he wants a one-state solution too. 
right? So a one-state solution. That's Israel. Yeah, that's a, yeah. But everybody, everyone here who doesn't want a two-state solution wants a one-state wants solution. A one-state solution. It's a very different one-state solution. I, I, I from agree. each other. Yeah, uh, and I want to know. So this is what I want to know: like the BDS one-state solution and the the what the one-state solution that a lot of uh, Israelis prefer. And now, if you have a one-state solution and you have this huge group of people in a binational state, and the majority of them will be Arab. Oh, sorry, none of them want a binational state. Yeah, the, the right. one-state solution that some uh, Palestinian and international activists talk about is a binational state. Some, but that's yeah. a minority. Most Palestinians it, talk about a one-state solution as this is Palestine. Period. Uh, uh, I am now sorry, on, you, sitting on state communities, and I have to understand it. Can yeah, you yeah. define a binational state? Like you're talking about, like in kind of like how is that? How would that work? To oversimplify, if I, uh, well, the way I think you mean it, binational state is we turn Israel and Palestine into Canada, where it's okay. one state. Uh, and you maybe you have two provinces, although that's already getting too complicated for most people to understand. Yeah. But, and, but everybody is it plural. No, it's equal. You have a vote. You have a parliament which represents everybody. You have everyone has the exact same rights. Um, and so that is how kind of some like actually England, Scotland, and is that is also kind of like the UK with. In well, like, that's getting into confederacies and and that yeah, whole yeah. thing, but that's getting but, more uh, complicated. I'm talking about a simplistic binational but, state. So, so speaking of the simplistic state, is, isn't that, so to me, the way that I hear it, and I'm thinking if you have a binational state, the majority of that state will still be Arab, right? So It's about 50-50 now. It, if you don't include the refugees from the Palestinian refugees or Jews who could possibly move here, you're at right. about 50-50, right? Yeah, you're, you're at 50-50. But, but the projection is, is that because the Arabs have higher uh, growth rates and Breeding, you know, they, they breed a lot faster. Then mm-hmm. eventually, in a few years, uh, there's going to be an Arab majority. So if you have an Arab majority, maybe, maybe you, not. Yeah. yeah. So in in a binational state or whatever it is, then there is a potential what they call the demographic time bomb, right? So in the demographic time, this is bomb, why Khamenei was saying that we don't even Khamenei, which is the supreme leader in Iran. He said Israel is bringing the end of Israel by itself. We don't even need to help it. Like this is what they predict. Uh, right. So, but let me, let me just explain. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, but let me just explain it for the audience. Let me just finish this uh, really thing, great, and then we can talk about it. Opinion because he said but, he doesn't. But I mean, let me just define it for the for the, pe- the people who don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. So, like you know, if you have if you have an Arab majority, then what happens is if all of them have the vote. Right then, what you have is uh, you have another Arab state, right? Mm-hmm. If if and the Jews, but and if the Jews the become only, a minority in that state, the Jews become a minority. There's no that's there's the a problem. The Jews have suffered right. for right. years. So, so now you have a democracy, but you, it's not a Jewish state. On the other yeah. hand, if you have an occupation, if you continue that, and that uh, the the single state has that, then you still have a Jewish state, but you don't have a democracy. So Israel easily has to choose between. Either being a Jewish state or a Jewish democracy. So yeah, that, I agree, but the problem uh-huh. is it's been that situation for fifty years and nothing has changed. So I, I don't know. So everyone said fifty years ago, people said this can't last forever. But it's fifty years later, and we're still in the exact same situation. So you're saying this will? You're, are you saying this will last forever? No, not never forever, obviously. But I'm saying I don't see anyone who can make a change which would change that situation at the moment. I just so at don't some see point, it. at some point. So you said when I said Khamenei predicted that this would end Israel, you said that you don't think that's accurate. You don't see it that way. So yeah. why not? Why not? Okay, so you got it's, you have to separate. First of all, Gaza, that's slightly true. 
But it's funny, Israelis don't want Gaza as part of any state at all, ever, period. Neither I don't know any Israeli who wants Gaza back at all. Neither does West Bank. In West and neither does West Bank, exactly. West Palestinians in West Bank think that Palestinians in Gaza are crazy. Like they're yes. in, so they're... they have a sympathy for them. They really do. They have a, 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 a absolutely, as, as fellow Palestinians, they have a lot of sympathy. Yeah. But they're not really crazy about including them in their new state. That's right. not, a, you know, that's an issue. Um, so if you look at the West Bank, birth rates are not that much higher than the Jewish birth rates in Israel. Mm. So, yeah, they, you know, in 100 years, maybe, but things change. People said that 50 years ago about Arabs and Jews in Israel. Um, who knows? I don't know. Uh, that's, but but, but 50 like, years ago, um, Corey, so, so what happened 50 years ago and even as little as 20, 30 years ago, I remember when I was growing up, uh, we used to see uh, there was a lot more, most of Europe, uh, you know, the U.S., Everything, almost everybody was pro-Israel. I mean, you didn't really hear a lot about the pro-Palestinian side. Now, the, what's happened in 50 years with the occupation, with the settlements, as it's become a bigger issue and it's become more complicated, and as the internet came around and you're seeing more videos come out of Gaza and so on, that there, Israel, in a way, is in danger of becoming, or if it hasn't already become, in, in a lot of places in Europe, aside from the U.S., uh, even in Canada here, it's, it's sort of moving to a sort of pariah status. Um, it, it, people actually think have think very negatively of it. Uh, they, you know, th there's this idea that uh, it's a dominant power. The whole idea of, you know, people who fled the Holocaust to form Israel and the the, the reason that it was necessary, a, a lot of that is being questioned. There's a rise of um, anti-Semitism, not not only from you know the traditional sort of Nazis and neo-Nazis in Europe, but now there are a lot of people who are looking for Palestinian solidarity uh, in Europe. A lot of people on the left. Um, okay, some of them are, are clearly anti-Semitic, but th there's a lot of these things uh, happening as well. So hasn't that that been a difference in the 50 years, last 50 years? In yeah, it has, uh, absolutely. And I'm not sure how much, and I'm not sure, but my, my impression, I'll use Canada, I'll use Northern Europe too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as an example, my impression is, yes, they're more pro-Palestinian because the Palestinians are the underdog, but the people suffering more than the Israelis. Um, yeah, okay, legitimate, I, I get it. Mostly from people who had suffered, how dare they do this to other people, I get that. Um, right. But my sense is they don't want to destroy Israel. They just want the two sides to figure it out. They're right. tired of this. Yeah. They just want a solution. So when Palestinians think, you know, time is on their side, uh, maybe they're right, I don't know. Uh, maybe the world will turn into uh, being pro-Palestinian in the sense that all of Israel has to become Palestine again. I don't see it happening. No, I don't think uh, that's going to happen. I, I don't think it, it, that would happen because that's just not how, at least from Canadians or the Northern Europeans I have met and talked to about this, uh, they just want the two sides to figure it out. Get, figure it out already. They don't well, yeah, really... they're all pro two-state solutions. So in a sense, it's yeah. actually, uh, for a lot of Palestinians, it's actually against kind of what they want. For a lot right. of Israelis, it's against what they want as well. Yeah. They just want people to find a compromise. Um, Got it. So... So but, both Palestinians and Israelis seem to be focused on something that is not going to, like, their solution that they're offering is is not the solution that actually fixes that people, no. you know, sane people think that is. So how do, so again, it comes back to changing. And maybe, and maybe, the, maybe the international community is wrong. I don't know. Maybe the Palestinians and Israelis should really just meet and figure it out. Right. I don't think it's true. I don't think that, uh, for, I'll give you an example. If you speak to the average Israeli settler, a person who lives in a settlement, the dominant narrative is when the Palestinians figure out that it's in their interest to live with the Jews economically, right. they will have everything they want. Everything will be fine. Oh, 
How so? They will live, meaning Palestinians will live in their areas. Um, whether or not they can vote is still very unclear to me. That's, a, that's one of the questions I have to ask them at some point. But they'll be equal socially. As long as everyone stays in their own areas, it's fine. I don't know many, even settlers who say, oh, no, no, we have to get rid of completely the Palestinians. It's seen, at least so they want to think of themselves as humanistic, and they have to understand that the Jews control the economy, the Jewish economy is terrific, um, and when the Palestinians figure this out, it'll all be fine. And I how, think it's delusional, delusional. Right. How but because, because you're, you're, you're banking on a 1.5 million people giving up their sense of, of, of national identity and pride in some way. They're not really, they remain Palestinians. I mean, it's a bit of an exaggeration, even what I'm saying, um, but for economic benefit. I don't see it happening. I don't, and I don't hear Palestinians. I know secretly some of them go, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I got out some money from the Jews, why not? Especially um, since dignity seems to be such. Yeah, especially since dignity seems to be a major yes. sticking point. Right? Honor and dignity is what it's all about. So, right. yeah. And one question I really have to ask is what, uh, given based on all the talks that you had with both Israelis and Palestinians, how big of a deal is the role of religion in all of this, based on their based on their views? <sighs> So it's, it, it has a lot to do with it, obviously, but define religion. So, um, you know, as you learned, because I saw kind of some of your videos in, when you were in Israel, the Jewish people, including myself, define themselves, even if they're an atheist, as a Jew. Right. And I know to people in the Middle East, to, to Muslims, that's ridiculous and it makes no sense. It just is. It is what I, I, I was always an atheist. I think my parents are basically atheists. My grandparents were basically atheists, but we're all still Jews whether culturally, however you want to define it, doesn't matter. It's a right. sense of identity. It's a sense of belonging. Um, so do I personally really care if we had absolutely none of the holidays? No, couldn't care less. I hate holidays. I hate them all, except for Christmas. I love oh, Christmas. Oh, no. I love Christmas. <laughs> I really do. I love the tree and I love the lights. No, but all the holidays, when people invite me to their meals, I'm always like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. I don't like them. I find them. I, I just don't like it. It feels claustrophobic. I am the absolute minority here in that. Even people who are atheists love going to their holiday things. They love that sense of Jewish history and culture uh, that's embedded in it. Then you take Palestinians who are will set aside the Christians because they're a little different uh, and most almost everybody who's a Muslim it's so embedded in Palestinian culture to be a Muslim mm. I don't even see how you would you would create an atheist movement it's so it's We've, so taboo to even say you're you're questioning something in Islam right. um, yeah we met we met them they were very taboo. yeah we met them they I, were very secretive about their identity sure we met, I, I get it I hear it all the time right yeah they, but but that's something we need to encourage the atheists in uh, in Palestine. I mean, they are very connected and very uh, united. The problem with atheists. So the the reason why I ask is that uh, the atheists in Palestine agree with the Muslims on Palestine on on Israeli issues. So that's why I don't know how big of a role the religion is, given that atheists and Muslims agree. I actually talked. But it's embedded. Atheist. It's embedded in all of this because if if you'll give an excuse, I mean, what I hear all the time, more so on the on the uh, Palestinian side, is some lesson from the Quran or the Hadith about the Jews and uh, knowing the Jews, yeah. whether it's for good or bad. I mean, Muhammad, his neighbor was was Jewish, 
And it's always what I think is hilarious is that the ones who are saying that they want to get along with the Jews, they'll give me the story about Muhammad's neighbor and how the neighbor would dump trash in front of his door. Yeah, yeah. You know the story? The woman, okay. Yeah, the woman. Yeah, yeah, I love the story because the Jew is always in the role of somehow evil. I love it. But yet they think they're being really positive to me. And I'm always like, <laughs> why are we cast in this role of like the bad person every time? Um, so, and if and if they hate the Jews, then they can find lots of stuff. So, anyways, go ahead. Yeah. No, but, but but I need to finish this because one atheist that I met in in Ramallah, he was actually he was against giving hope to Palestinians, like if I, uh, with regards to anything other than. So he didn't want Palestinians to talk to Israelis. He didn't want Palestinians to be. Uh, become more educated even or to learn about atheist activism or secularism because he thought that giving them any hope will distract them from Israel and uh, being anti-Israel. And this is an atheist uh, activist in Ramallah yeah. saying this. That he wants he wants to, uh, the Palestinians to be isolated from the rest of the world because yes, if they're not... Oh, go ahead. No, because if they're if they're not isolated, they might be introduced to this anything normalization of Israel, as you were just mentioning. Yes. Yes. There's an idea that anything to do with Israel, it normalizes the situation as if it's going to be frozen in place the way it is. I mean, I think it's a ridiculous way of thinking, because the only way to convince Israelis that you don't want to kill them is to speak to them and say, I don't want to kill you. And that's to them is normalization. So they've set up this idea i think because they feel like they're losing so much they set up this idea that any speaking to israelis or, could be interpreted as normalization and not just to israelis just to the outside world because at least when you're isolated you could keep telling people that yeah this is the only solution this is so I, I don't get that for most people it's right. mainly around israelis and and mm. but it, i haven't found i mean they're not really um supportive of americans um but one-on-one i don't think they care they they think the, the Western world is against them. That's true, but um, but not learning from them, I haven't heard that very much. Yeah. Okay. So I, so I yeah, yeah I I wanted to kind of move to this. You know, you mentioned Americans. So uh, there is a um, and, and you know the I guess there's two things to this. First of all, there's the religious influence on uh, the Likud government because of the coalitions that they formed and they're uh, you know so there's that aspect of it and how much does that play a role. And also the difference between, um, you know, what what people in Israel think, the Jews in Israel think, versus the Jews in America. So the Jews in the U.S., you know, still overwhelmingly vote Democratic. But um, from what I'm hearing, Trump is actually very popular among Israeli Jews. Or, 50, or it's about it's a fifty-fifty split, I think. I have to uh, check a survey, but from my from what I know, it's a, some people see him as a total buffoon idiot, um, and some people love him, and there are some people who go, "Oh, at least he supports us," so you know, it's yeah. good enough, even if he's stupid. So, so aside from just that, I think I just think it's kind of interesting how the from everything that I've been reading um, is how American Jews are writing about uh, uh, Israel and how people in Israel, like is, Israeli Jews. And again, we're generalizing here. Obviously, not everybody thinks alike, but just a general trend of uh, of opinion uh, in sort of Israeli media versus you know. So, so you know, over here, like I, I read a lot of Jeffrey Goldberg. I mean, he writes about this a lot. Uh, in the Atlantic. Oh, well, he's, uh, he's I don't, I don't uh, read anybody. It's okay. Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. <laughs> and then uh, you know you have so the, well we'll skip the names, but uh, so have you have you spoken to 
um, American Jews versus Israeli Jews and, and notice any kind of oh, uh, rift in ideas not over even, time? Not even a rift. It's just they're two completely different cultures. They might as well be yeah. opposite side of the world. The Israeli, first of all, American Jews are almost all Ashkenazi, European Jews like me. Um, and almost all. There's some Spartak, but it's, it's a minority. Um, and it comes from a very particular time and a very particular uh, viewpoint of social justice. Uh, uh, it's just formed that way. I think it's terrific. I have no issue with it. Israeli, Israeli society is completely different. First of all, the majority here are Jews from Arab and Muslim world. They're the majority. They rule. They rule the culture. I know you guys see Netanyahu, um, and actually now everyone who's, who's uh, cozying up to him, they're all Mizrahi, all of them. The culture yeah. is, is dictated by a Middle Eastern attitude. It's mm. tempered by the Ashkenazi side. It's, it's been westernized. But the majority of Israelis, not only who vote, but who have some power, I don't mean major power, but you know, people who run, uh, who run the country are from Middle Eastern cultures. Mm. Um, and yeah. even the ones who came from Ashkenazi places, they still had to live in the Middle East. Yeah, they, uh, they, came... they, dri they drive like Middle Eastern people. Like That's what I, I even in the Jewish... <laughs> <laughs> Even the Jews and the Arabs, they yes, all drive. We're very much alike. I, 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 it's you know the. Uh, it's, that's why I just wrote to somebody from Lebanon, um, saying it's the the irony that we are not at peace first because Beirut and Tel Aviv are, are so alike. I actually know a Lebanese guy who lives here who's not Jewish, and I want to interview him because I just think it's hilarious. I don't understand why we're at war because there's so much in common in Lebanon and Israel. It makes no sense. And the same food. mentality exactly. You know what I was joking, I think because the food is uh, this very much the same and there's some friendly competition on the food side. There are a lot of Jewish people in Israel that admit the Arabs make the better Hamas and they go to like like in Tel Aviv. I Hamas, the Hamas? Hamas? No, sorry. Hamas. 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 Okay, you made the Freudian I stuff. I love that you did that. That's sorry. <laughs> Hamas. I actually Hamas. disagree. I prefer Jewish Hamas. I'm sorry. Really? I, I, yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. So but I'm not a big fan of but, and I, but I can tell you in Tel in Tel Aviv, for example, there is a sweet shop. Um Arab owning sweet shop with a hijabi oh, woman selling I don't forgot the name, but there is like tons of Israeli Jewish people just lining up to get the sweets and, and the, I have one across the street from me. And uh, you know, on Sabbath in Jerusalem, for example, when everything in Jerusalem is closed, um, and every every restaurant, the the secular people uh, Jews in Israel, uh, in Jerusalem, which are looking for restaurants, because they couldn't because every restaurant is packed, they go to the neighboring Arab city, and every like you could go when you go there, you can see all the Jews from Jerusalem are now in the neighboring Arab city because everything is open. And I felt like you know what, food and culture and art and stuff could bring people together. That's a that's a way they do it. within certain pockets. They really do. I mean, I I made a video a little bit about this just because when I started making the videos and interviewing people, I found out people I was having conversations with for like two years. The guy who sells swarma, I didn't know he was Arab. I didn't know he was Palestinian. Yeah. For two years. <laughs> right, right. And then yeah, I right. said, I made a joke because I just assumed he was Mizrahi, like he was a Jew from Syria or a Jew from Iraq. I just assumed because his right. Hebrew was perfect. And I don't know, I never heard him speak Arabic. And yeah. so I said something. He said, Well, I'm an Arab. And I, and I went, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was making a joke about being Syrian. And, and he's like, No, no, I'm from the north. And I was like, Oh, oh really? Okay. okay. And then I found out in Tel Aviv, a lot of my neighbors were yeah. what you would call Palestinian. That is very interesting because um, in um, 
in, in my my Jewish friend in Tel Aviv was telling me like, look, he looked like in the street. Like, how nobody can tell you who's Arab and yeah, who's nobody. a Jew. Nobody. nobody can tell. Yeah, and actually, a lot of um, a lot of Arab uh, Israeli citizens. This is something. Okay, there's more disagreement between uh, the Arabs in uh, Israel than the Arabs in Palestine because the Arabs yeah. in Palestine are pretty uh-huh. united on their views. But the Arabs in Israel with Israeli citizenship, I asked them, do you see yourself as Israeli or Palestinians? Yeah. And half of them would say, I see myself, even though they had they lived in Israel and they had Israeli citizenship, they would mm-hmm. see, say that I see myself as Palestinian first. Yeah. But the yeah. other half would disagree. We're like, no, I'm an yeah. Israeli citizen and I don't want to give up my Israeli citizenship. So there's more disagreements among Arabs that live in Israel. Yeah, true, which is very true, true, true. true. But I want to go back to the question that I asked because I don't think I got an answer. When you said that you think religion has a big role, you, I think you, you were, correct me if I'm wrong, you were suggesting that religion has an influence on anti-Semitic views, and that's how it's influencing. Uh, oh, no, that was just a story. I mean, it does, absolutely. But right. religion has a role in the sense that it's like the, it's there, in, it's woven through everything. It really is. So I think this is mostly about land. Mm-hmm. Most of this conflict is about land. But religion would be number two, because religion will inform how you see the other religion, Religion will inform how you see making peace or not making peace. And, and it, I'm not saying, therefore, if you're Jewish or you're, or you're Muslim, you're going to be anti-peace. It's not that. I mean, it's whatever your experience within the religion is, is going to inform how you're going to see it. And it's just woven in. It's very hard to, to tease it out. Yeah, even it's, with the land, even with the land uh, aspect that you're talking mm-hmm. about, I mean, there is a religious aspect. Israel was in biblical Israel. It's not in, as Sam Harris said, right. British Columbia, right? right. So um, there's a, uh, you know, and then when they're building settlements in the Likud Charter, it says that Judea and Samaria they consider historically as, as the property of it. So there, there's a lot of, um, even with the land, that you know, the, the, the settlers, for instance, have, I have a lot of political influence over Netanyahu, forms coalitions with them. So I, it played like a lot of the marriage laws, uh, so I think that I, I agree with you. I, you know, when people say it's not a religious conflict, it's about land or politics. I just don't see how it's on either side, how it's so uh, you can extricate it, uh, them. From it's it's all involved because you yeah. deal with one issue, you have another. It's just there's right. so many. The, the way I said, and again, I mean, it's, people might be surprised because I'm an atheist, anti-religion activist. <laughs> but the way I see it is that it's number one is an identity. And as you mentioned, dignity issue. Number two, then the second thing is a land issue after identity and dignity, and third is religion issue. And religion has a role, but I think it's, it comes third to those two things, and it basically makes it complicates everything. But the main two are identity and dignity, and then land, and then religion. I, yeah, yeah I, I call the identity religion complex, yeah. the land religion so, complex. So, like that's what, so, so, sorry, sorry, Corey, go ahead. No, sorry, Corey, what did you say? I'm agreeing. I'm just saying I think the identity is a a bigger issue on the Palestinian side because Israelis have a good sense of who they are. Right. Um, Or maybe, you know, each side has a sense of who they are. I don't want to, because there's this whole idea within Palestinian society and Israelis of Palestinians that they're not a real people. And I I always find that nonsense. Um, It just, there's having your identity recognized and justified, but recognition and seeing you and... But and those are psychological issues. But even for the Israeli, is an identity issue. Even though they have a sense of identity, it's yes. an, it's not about defining a sense of identity because they've already done that. It's about protecting that identity yes. from an outgroup. 
Yes, yes. And okay. which identity within our, that bubble of the different identities, which one wins or over what? Is this a Jewish or democratic state? Which one is more important? All of those, all of the above. Yeah. Right. So yeah, religion um, as a, always has an effect, but it has a very, it's not, people don't, people see it in black and white. It's not all religion. It, religion has an influence, has a negative influence. It makes, like, the identity and land thing is, is everywhere in the world. Like, people are battling that. What religion does is just comes and adds a layer of complexity to the whole thing that makes solving everything more, more complex than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, good. Yeah. Sorry. So I yeah I wanted to I guess I'm I'm really interested in this aspect of the uh, you know just going back one more question about the American Jews versus the Israeli Jews for a very very long time until very recently you know Israel enjoyed massive bipartisan support like the government whoever was leading the government you know um, until very recently so recently for some reason and this is again what you know Armin was talking about how Khamenei said that. If Netanyahu is a bigger threat to Israel than Iran will be, so there's this when when Netanyahu came and he did that speech to Congress, you know, at that point he made he almost made Israel, which is one of the very few bipartisan uh, things that people agree on on both sides in the U.S. and you know mm-hmm. he was originally from North America, it kind of made it a partisan uh, issue, right? Now where you know the Democrats are seen differently in their position to Israel and the Republicans are seen more allied to Netanyahu. Do you think that has harmed it? You know, the way that people used to see um, the American support and American alliance with Israel. Do you think people in Israel since the Obama years and since this polarization happened, do they see Democrats and Republicans differently in terms of the U.S.? I don't know. <laughs> this is the short. Yeah, you don't. Is the, is the short? I don't know. Um, I guess yeah. This is beyond. There's because well, there's an do, Israeli. But... Sorry. No, I was saying this is different from the stuff that you normally do. In yeah, your no, and also part of it is in, in Israeli society, we're, as Jews, we're very paranoid, and we always think the sky is falling. It's it's just our nature. Um, so anytime somebody says something that they're losing support for Israel, you know, everyone goes a little bit, on the one hand, a little bit paranoid and thinks, you know, oh my God, we're losing support. Mm. But then it very quickly goes into that Middle Eastern, this is the Mizrahi side, of, well, you know what, well, screw them. We're, we're doing fine. They just don't understand. We're right. right. They're wrong. They don't understand. And that's the dominant culture today of, you know, who votes Likud and everybody else on the right of they don't understand what we have to go through. Right. Uh, so they're seeing things as outsiders. Oh, and, and they're probably anti-Semitic. Uh, it, it's, um, yeah, I don't think it's a healthy way of viewing the world. It, but, but it just is. It just It's a powerful, it's a very powerful way of uniting the country for whatever the government, just by, by yeah. saying the outsiders, they don't get us, we just need to stick together because nobody else gets us. It's so... And, and then when, it, when it would impact Israel economically, that's why, in a sense, I don't really have an issue with a boycott. When it would uh, impact Israel economically, then maybe it then maybe it'll make a change. And by by the way, I know people are thinking, oh, then cut the American support for the military. American support for the for the Israeli military is four percent of the of the uh, of the GDP each year. It, it's nothing. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's, I, I think it's less. It's, yeah. it's yeah, I think it's less. It's about four billion dollars, three point eight yeah. billion dollars, and it's uh, it's it's four percent of the last budget. Um, my I know when I asked Israel, I actually did ask Israelis this: Would it make a difference? I said, yeah, it makes a big difference. It would make a difference if they cut it off. I actually don't think it would. I think I, the Israeli I, economy is. Um, is doing pretty well, not well enough 
so I feel like I'm making enough money, but that most people here, the salaries are low and costs are high, and that's just the way it is. Well, they're funding um, this podcast it, very well. The, 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 yes, the Zionists, yes, I know. Yeah, I'm yeah, waiting for my... Right. Well, you know I have this idea for, <laughs> for a video, because there's the Zionist Congress building, I forget what it's actually called, in Tel Aviv, and I really want to go in there and knock on doors and ask for my money and my gold. Like, I'm waiting for... <laughs> as, as a fellow Zionist, I want my money. But I have a feeling that the, that the building itself is practically empty and there's nobody in there but i have to go in with a camera to find out yeah that's funny yeah so if but, everyone come please i'll take you there because i i want to make a joke about this but uh oh uh, yeah that's amazing yeah anyways but, point is, yeah, go, yeah go no go ahead finish your point yeah finish uh, your point. Point, I, I i um I, I don't know if it makes that much of a difference but I, but with regards to like you said this is some this is the reason why someone might agree with bds because Putting pressure on the economy might change people's opinions. I don't actually know if that's true. People double down, even if even if they're suffering economically, if they think the threat is coming from outside. I think like if, if it's a question of a dignity and identity, they might take a hit and they'd be like, well, no, fuck you. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. They would. So, it wouldn't be instantaneous. It'd be 20 years later. Um, oh. But the question, my point is, then what is the goal of that boycott? If the idea is a two-state solution and the idea is somehow figure out the settlements, move settlements, uh, it's going to be really expensive. But like create the borders of Israel slightly different and give Palestinians another chunk over here. If you can find a creative solution, I just want to know what that goal is. You can't just have this amorphous idea of we're going to boycott Israel because we don't like it. What so, don't you like? Because then people invent in paranoia in their heads, you hate us, you're against us. It just makes everybody feel more defensive. There's so, no point in that. So from, from okay, this is the hardest question. I know you're probably going to be like, I don't know. But from all the uh, opinions you've heard and people that gave you answers and solutions, uh, idea, you know, what is the most realistic solution that somebody has given you? Like what Israel and Palestine is going to look like, let's say, 20 years from now. Like, obviously, it's going to be a form of a two-state solution, but how could you have a two-state solution with all the settlements? How could you close down uh, all the settlements? It's not that bad. It's uh, not that bad. This is oh. whole settlement thing is a little bit exaggerated. This is my okay. piece. Because you look at the map of where the population of settlements are. The majority of population of Israeli settlers are in areas that are close to the border of what is Israel proper, 67 borders. They're not that far. You could redraw the map. Now, there are a lot of small, and this is what settlers do on purpose, right. they create these hilltops uh, communities in the middle of, towards Palestinian population areas or, or around them, so it becomes more and more complicated. Right. Um, yeah, that was manipulation, absolute manipulation to try to create facts on the ground. I don't have a problem to, of getting rid of them, personally. I think they're... But they're, how would you ridiculous. be, like, there doesn't seem to be, I mean... I, and again, the more we wait, the more deeper they're getting in and the more complicated it's going to get. But I can't see, like, if there is a two-state solution. I don't think anybody is serious enough to no, work they, towards the two Nobody but, really wants it. But so. even if we actually have the two-state solution, which nobody wants on each other side, um, how would you get rid of settlements? Like, people there are not going to be like, okay, fine. Like, redraw the borders. No, no. Like, them, a lot of them, it would be a, a, a little mini... The people would would go against it, and there would be maybe possibly violence from the Israeli from. So I, I have a wait, wait. No, he's answering. Possibly yeah. violence from who? Possibly violence. Yeah, it could could be. I mean, they've been told for years and years and years. This is you should go there. Um, you yeah, this is this is a, a terrific a good thing to do. This is helping the security of the state. 
Right. Um, it would be hard to move. I agree. It would be hard to move. You're saying it would be violence from Israelis that have settled in the West Bank against the government of Israel if they wanted to move. Or the them army, out. whoever has to, yeah, whoever. Has, I assume there would be. There was right. a little bit in the Gaza. In Gaza, yes. In Gaza, it wasn't huge, but it was there. And I mean, I, a lot of Israelis found the whole thing traumatic. I mean, I'm not an Israeli, so can, can I they found not, it interesting. This might be very. Gaza, this so. might be a very naive question, but can they just stay there and be? Uh, actually, they can't. Okay, so the solution would yeah, have they'll, been they'll be killed by Palestinians. They could be, They would Absolutely. be sitting. They would be sitting ducks if the Isra- sure. if the Israeli army moves out and they just stay there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, and there are some who really want to. There are a few groups in the West Bank who really care about the land itself. And they don't care who their neighbors are, and so they have these dialogue groups with Palestinians. They're not hugely popular, but there's a few of them right. that yeah. exist, and I think it's I, I, great, terrific. I think any anything positive is good. Um, yeah, the, the other the other idea is confederacy type, um, where it's you know yes, it's okay that you have all these different communities and each one is ruled by their own people. I just find I'm not sure how that would work in reality. It just I, seems you know, so if there's a car accident. If there's a, it would be very difficult to. To, to, to negotiate, considering most people don't even want to live together. Right. So, so given, given, given how complicated it seems to me, and given that nobody on either side is interested in two-state solution, I think that we're going to get a forced one-state solution that nobody, like, isn't that your prediction? Like, I think, like, then the... No, I don't have a prediction. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. I really don't. Because I don't see how a one-state solution could work in a meaningful way in, in other it than... Is. It would be a disaster. I, of course, yes. I mean, yeah, but it will, I'm, just, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying it seems yeah. to me like it will become a one-state solution. Not that that's a good thing. It would be a disaster. But I'm just saying I can't see any way. I am not saying that it's going to move in any any. Most other people here, most people on the Israeli side uh, who 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 don't believe in a two-state solution, just say so. Let it be the same. Let it let it be status quo as is, and we make the Palestinian lives better economically. And uh, it's you know it's their problem. But that would yeah. not, I mean, that can't Globally, last. that can't. That, that can't can. last forever. That's what's happened for the last 50 years. So yeah, but know. 50 years is not forever. Yeah, I mean, but that, for, that's the thing. Well, forever, forever is no forever. But yeah. The problem is, like, in the I last know. 50 years, that has happened. And within, if you're living within Israel, it seems okay. But when you look at the world outside, I mean, there's more and more antipathy towards wow. Israel. And especially yeah. now that, you know, and Hamas plays on this. They, they yeah. do use human shields. They know that this goes yeah. in their favor. And they all play on it, and it became it, it becomes worse and worse and worse. So I think that's one thing, you know, for people who think that this can be sustained long enough, even if you look at the past fifty years, the trend where it's going for mm-hmm. Israel is just is just not good in terms of how people think of uh, Israel. Now. We should ask you about. I, you. I, I can say from the inside, everything seems fine from here. It really does. That's, that's I mean, the thing. The state that's is it. doing fine. I mean, I'm, again, not happy with my salary. Got to move back to Canada to get a, <laughs> a decent pension. But, I mean, it's not that bad. It really is not such a bad place. Right. And it's all on this low flame burning uh, conflict, which every so often, and I agree, every couple of years there's a new outburst of violence. And I don't like that as Canadian. I take that very seriously. Most Israelis just go, eh, that's what happens. Actually, this is such a good segue because I don't want you to move to Canada. I want you to stay there and do what you're doing. So tell us about your YouTube channel. Okay, so yeah. And so Patreon. Patreon. Like, uh, you have a Patreon. Patreon uh, yeah. And I have, and, yeah, and I have, you can, you can find it. Okay, so what I do, why am I even talking about this? I'm not an expert, not a political scientist. I studied conflict studies. Um, what I realized is that the dialogue going on about Israelis and Palestinians around the world 
missed Israeli and Palestinian voices. Well, it started off with Israeli voices. Um, and so I started asking people on the streets questions that are sent in by viewers. I try to make the people I ask as random as possible. I don't, most of them I don't know. Once in a while, I'll ask a friend to fill something in just because it's fun. Um, and I try to, I do it all over. I don't, I, I film a little bit in Tel Aviv, but I film mostly people outside of Tel Aviv, all purposely. I don't want, I mean, there's this idea that Tel Aviv is a bubble and everyone here is really left wing. It's actually not true, but it doesn't matter. Um, I actually avoid that, pe that person who looks like a leftist, um, you know, bohemian, whatever. I actually avoid them when possible because I get the same opinions from other people anyways. Um, and I go all over and I ask Israelis, Jews and Arabs and Palestinians in the West Bank. I can't go to Gaza. I know I'd love to, but I can't. Uh, and the idea is in a video asking framed by a question, uh, they give the response, whatever it is, and I get seven, eight responses, nine responses, depending on what the question is. And you get a snapshot of what a random sampling of people on the street have to say. Right. It's not scientific. Uh, um, the methodology is just me wandering around at when people really give me lifts to go places um, because this is not a, an incredibly well-funded uh, project. Not uh, yet. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting. It's seven years. I've been doing this for seven years. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for, I mean, there's actually been a few, three, three people who've donated like $800 or $1,000, which I was floored by, floored. I right. couldn't believe, because usually I get a dollar or $2, whatever. Um, and it helps. So it helps me get the camera and uh, a laptop to do the editing. And, and I have to pay a translator and I have to get places. And every so often I try to get a car because there are some communities like settlers, Palestinian villagers, Arab Israelis, which public transportation is not great to those areas. So, um, so I rent a car every so often. Or even better, if you're coming here and you want to rent a car, um, you either rent a car or you give me money and I do car to go. I don't know if there's car to go in Canada, but you can do car to go. Oh, yeah. And a, we go somewhere interesting based on whatever your interests are. So Armin, if you are interested in yes. knowing, I don't know what your interests are, uh, knowing the Persian Israeli community, we would go to areas, and that's easy because that's there's one in Tel Aviv. Um, we would go to different areas and just go ask questions. Do you still speak Persian? Um, we could go, if you go to Levinsky Market when you're in Tel Aviv, I think you might have gone there, I can't remember. That's actually a really Persian area where they still speak Persian. And they will oh, never be on film because they have, they have family in Iran. Right, right. So I've tried many times to ask them questions about Iran and they're like, oh, there's no way, I have cousins in Iran. Are you kidding? Right. You put at risk. Um, anyways, the idea is you pick an, an area that you're interested in and let's go do it. Because if you're interested in it, somebody else is. And that's oh, the whole idea yeah, of the project. I want to come back now. I want to come back right away. By the way, there's a, there are people that are inviting me to a conference in November to come to Tel Aviv to speak. So if I do come in November, I really do want to get in touch with you and sure. do something. The only problem is that they haven't gotten a sponsor yet to cover my travel flights, uh, tra travel expenses, uh, flight expenses. Um, but as soon as they do, they're going to uh, it's up in the air a little bit because they're a little bit short on budget. But, but talking about um, expenses, it's so sad that you're not getting that much support because your videos, your YouTube channel is the most eye-opening 
uh, YouTube like content yeah. out there when it comes to understanding. Like there is nothing that is even close. Like people don't like could sit at home and get a great picture of what's happening, what people think in Israel and Palestine. There's yeah. nothing else that does that co- and uh, on such an important topic, and you're not even getting much of a, much support. So yeah, but what's I, actually I, I, even more amazing about it is that. There's so it's it's such a simple, beautiful idea to just go on both sides yes. and just talk yes. to people yeah, to get right. with their ideas. But it's it's so uncommon. I mean, I know there's people who've done videos yeah. like that, but it's just so uncommon. I mean, you, you see so, that everywhere all over the world, but you just don't see this in this part of the world where it, where it is probably more more important than anything else. And now and now so, you know yeah. Corey might yeah. leave, might come back to Canada, which we don't, and this might end. So please go support him. Link yeah. is in the description yeah. so that he stays in. Or get me a better job here. Sorry, no offense to my. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I'd like a better salary. It'd be much easier. No, but yeah. if I'm I'm my my uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you get enough Patreon so that you could quit your job and just focus on this. That would be amazing. I was kind so of. Doing that at first, um, it, it, it never happened. There's no, there's no way. I'm not even close. No, there's not even close. Yeah. But no, it would be. I would actually like to do a whole production company of fact-based videos, not based on my opinion. It's nothing to do with what I think, but just exploring and researching uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict from fact as much as facts you can get. Of, for example, where does our water come from? Um, you know, from source to tap. For me in Tel Aviv, for somebody in Ramallah, for because there's issues, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're being told by pol- politicized people. They're not politicians, but people who think they know all the answers. And I don't think that they're. I mean, for example, Palestinians think that they're settlers with this giant tap who are controlling Palestinian water. That's not true. Even that's not even close to true. Right. I want to know what the truth is. I really do. And and okay. So the reason I'm not. I don't think I'm watched or supported that much. Um, because I am not pro-Israel, I'm not pro-Palestine. I don't see a point in that. I just don't no. see a point in creating a video that makes one side look good because it makes you feel better. I don't see a point in it. I'd rather know, you know, for good and for bad, um, for even what's ugly, what exists. So when I did some of the videos with Palestinians, hurt me. I mean, they, I, I have pains in my stomach um, and I would want to cry half the time. I'd rather know what they think. I'd rather know these are my neighbors. This is what they think about me. Okay, take a step back. Why do they think that? Where does this come from? And how can we hopefully change it? Now, I don't have great ideas how to change it, but I'd rather, at least I know, at least I know what the dominant beliefs are on both sides. And that's so, for me. I don't, even I, I, actually, what it me- I don't even understand what it means to be pro-Israel. Like every time somebody says like, are you pro-Israel or anti-Israel? I'm always like, which one of their policies? Like which yeah, exactly. I, I, what I, you, I, you know, people like is, simple. Uh, they need simple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in that article uh, that I wrote that I told you about, I kind of started it that way. That are you pro-Israel, pro-Palestine? I was, I was like, who talks about being pro-Sweden or pro-Japan yeah. or okay. anti-Japan? Like how do you talk about yes. an entire country <laughs> about whether or entire state and, and say what I can't pro- even do that with individuals like be like are you yes. pro this person like I don't what yeah. about like if they say are you pro this guy or anti this guy like which one of their statements like yeah. if I can if you can't do that with a, with an individual how could you do that with an uh, I, I, I think you can do it with we love to think this way we really you know even as an individual I get criticized being told I'm this I'm that I'm pro I there's there's a woman I work with who when we first started she said I think I saw you on YouTube and I, she's Israeli and I said oh yeah okay and she goes why do you hate Israel so much 
Oh and I'm like, why do you think that? And she's like, I saw your questions. They're awful. They're horrible. She didn't actually watch anything. She just saw. But I think that's human nature. We have to simplify who is with us, who is against us, yes. yeah. and what does that mean to us? That's and, I, and that's sad because that's not reality. That's not how anyone is. To be fair, I got that from both sides after that article. So that I, yeah. I, I got so many messages. And there was a whole, someone actually wrote a critique of it in the National Post. And it just went, it was crazy. And half the people were saying, why do you hate Israel? Why are you so anti-Semitic? The other half were yeah. saying, why are you so anti-Palestinian? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, it was just, yeah. that's how anybody who decides to talk about this stuff in any kind of yes. um, objective or, you know, even a semi-objective way or a, a just a nuanced kind of uh, way. And we look at both yeah, sides, yeah, we'll get that. You can't win. I don't, I don't read the comments for the videos at all, ever. Why? Ever. It's toxic. It's awful. Well, because it's started, YouTube too. Like, it's, it's YouTube. Yeah, maybe maybe there's a better place. But at the beginning, I actually started. I read them because I thought, oh, people will give me tips. They'll say, oh, you're mumbling here, or your sound quality isn't good. You need to use whatever. Pe there's never a tip. It's always you fucking Zionist or you Arab lover. It's always something awful. Right. Um, once in a while, it was something really nice, like good for you or whatever. And then just stopped because it's because you always remember the, the hateful ones. So I just yeah, stopped yeah. reading. And so then uh, so sometimes people tell when me. The, with your videos, um, I don't know if there's any videos like this, but all of them, there is no videos that is you talking about your opinions. It's just mostly highlighting. There is a little bit. I, I right. did it at the beginning. People kept asking and asking, what are your opinions on these questions? So right. I did two. In fact, if you go to playlists, you mm. can see about the Ask Project. And there's two sort of live events that I had. And then I just thought, why am I speaking? Who cares what I think? I, I mean, care I have, about what you think. You, you uh, have, I, I do too. Yeah. I, I, what do I know? I give my you opinions. You know a lot. What's right? Yeah. You know a lot, and I think you're you're uh, you're underestimating your insight. I was. I don't think this say. is about me. This is I think, not. I exactly. know. It's not about. I'll write a book someday. No, I, that'll not, do. It. Okay, but, but I think you're. you're I, think you're, you're I think you're a bit too humble. I. This is the best discussion I have ever had on this topic. In the past. Uh, same here. It's and been one of the best ones. And I think that. And I think. One, and, and I think given the number, even if you had no degrees on anything like that, we should do the fact that you talk to, to so many people, I think gives you a level of insight that most people don't have. And I think if you put your face in front of in, like on your YouTube channel, if you get more people get to see you and the, because people don't just relate to ideas, people will relate to other people. And I think if you just came and just give your opinion, I, if you if you want to be humble, just be like, OK, this is just my opinion. It might be wrong. And just start with that. But I and then don't want this to be about me. I want it to be about Israel and Palestinians. I want someone here. I'll give you an example. I want you and so, I want two people to watch the video and get completely different conclusions from the video. That to me, I've done my job because everyone's going to hear. Some people re see the Israelis and go, wow, they're so moderate. They're so that's how I read into it. Other people go, what is this shit show of animalistic, <laughs> tribal? And I'm like, because you don't live here. That's how people think. Okay. I, it's OK. It's all legitimate. I have how no problem with that. How about you come on camera and if you don't want to give your opinions, at least tell people your strategy and where you're moving to. Like, have it like a 10 minute video every once a week and be like, oh, I did this. I think I got good results. Let me know in the comment section. I think these comments were like representative of the people. Like, just in general about the time. Like, at least people could see you and hear you. I, I think yeah. that will. That will help with the funding as well because people will personally connect with you and your project. Yeah, you're probably right about that part of it, but because yeah, it's a personality based. Right. That's what YouTube is. 
I just don't feel, first of all, I don't like to be recognized. It drives me, I mean, it's nice, but I, I don't like it. And I don't want it to be about me. I don't think it should, it's, yeah. that's, that, it's a little bit, this is a little bit about the talking heads who everyone has an opinion about Palestine and Israel. I, I don't want to contribute to that. I really we don't. Have I, I have my own ideas. I think my unique idea about identity is 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 something that nobody really talks about and culture i think is a, an important impact here and i'll talk about that i just got to find a, a a medium to do that and yeah, I don't know I, but thank you yeah Ar armin i actually i i completely get what Corey's saying i i get like i the, everybody out there has an opinion about it everybody's writing op-eds everybody's doing writing movies and everything but he's just saying okay you know what i'm just gonna go let the voices speak these yeah. are the people here, listen to them. This is what they're saying because you're hearing just everybody's being, voice on it. I'm just being practical, it. man. I'm just being practical. No, no, I know. So I, here's where no, I you're right. 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 Though, Corey, here's where I get it. And, and there's, I, I know there's a stereotype of the self-deprecating Jew, and I'm not going to get into that. But It's my favorite. <laughs> how, yeah. However, like, I'm a huge stand-up comedy fan. Of this. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, just I'm digging That's myself my, in a hole. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I do think that you undersell yourself sometimes, you know, like where you're saying that, you know, okay, well, I'm not an expert on this. I'm not. But for the purposes of this podcast, I think that the kind of insights we're getting from you to, to you, your own perspective may seem ordinary because you live inside your head. But to a lot of us, it's actually very refreshing. It's very interesting to hear somebody, you know, yeah. who looks at it from an objective point of view. Yeah. And of course mm -hmm. we're biased. because As much as we're yeah, all, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that, uh, I mean, you know, if you, you, if you're, if you're not somebody to listen to, I don't know who would be, you have, you have, yeah. you have a background in conflict management and you're talking to as many people as possible. I mean, if you are not a person that people should listen to, then no, we shouldn't be listening to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I have friends who come with me who get completely different conclusions from what we experienced. And I think that's legitimate. That's okay. I, I, I have my I'm I have I obviously I'm influenced by my emotions and my background and how I see things and and you could say okay. that and you could announce that before like yeah, if yeah. I'm bringing your opinion you could be like you know what this is my opinion it might be wrong I might be biased but hey it's just me yeah and, I, and by so. doing that you're you know you're already anyways. okay never mind. So, anyway. you know I have a, I have a good joke about this um this is absolutely sure in 1990 I went to Concordia and I discovered Tim Hortons for the first time I had never had Tim Hortons for some reason. <gasps> And I had, well, hold on. And I drank Tim Hortons coffee and I had a Tim Hortons muffin. And I said, this place is shit. It's not going anywhere. Who uh, would buy this? This place is going <laughs> to shut down within a year. I actually said that to someone. And uh, yeah, you see what happened. So Blasphemy. I am not an expert on anything. And food is my thing. If anything, yeah, I'm an yeah, expert yeah. on food. You have to give up your Canadian. You have to give up your Canadian card. I do not like Tim Hortons. Although I love their sausages and cheese. Lastly. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it's very the sausage and cheese thing is very good. Oh, okay, so listen, we're we're coming up to around yeah, yeah. ninety. Yeah. You've been very good with your time, so thank you very much. Yeah, thank you but so much. I, I wanted, I just wanted to like ask what? one more question. We're gonna put all of your work and your video links and everything in the description, so anybody who's uh, what should people this, search for? What should people search for if they don't want to check the description? Ask an Israeli, ask a Palestinian, you'll find it. It's, it's easy okay. to find. Okay, yes. great. So, and uh, for everybody who's listening to this on audio, if you just go, if you're really interested in this, just go and just check our description on our YouTube channel, wherever it is, and, and you're going to find all of the links uh, where you can access Corey's stuff and also ways to, can people get in touch with you? Are you on Twitter, Facebook? Uh, well, I know you're on Facebook. Facebook, but... for sure. Um, and there's emails at the end of the videos. That's probably the best place to... Okay. To, it's askisraelis at Gmail, askpalestinians at Gmail. It's at the end of each video. Okay, perfect. So last thing, to a 
Two is somebody who's been working in conflict resolution in uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict for 20 years and is also a pessimist, right? <laughs> Very much so, yes. What is your, I know Armin's uh, proposed a lot of solutions for a lot of things here, but what is your, what is, I, I got two things. First what one, is what's the solution? Your, well, no, no. Well, I don't want to ask. That's that's a crazy question. But okay, go ahead. What what is your opinion on how things should move? And the second thing, I'm really curious to know about it. Have you ever heard anybody come up with a solution type thing or, or something, a proposal where you thought nobody's talking about this, but people should talk about this more? Have you ever come across anything like that? A little bit. Okay, wait. Uh, I already forgot your first question. Okay, second question. I'll deal with that first. Uh, yes, there are people yeah. who advocate for a confederation. Or there's another word for that, and they have they see it as differences. But I thought that was an interesting proposal that you have uh, an Israeli parliament that governs Jews, Israeli Jews. You have a Palestinian parliament that governs Palestinians, and then you have some supra group above it which deals with all the th you know roads and infrastructure between them. Um, I thought that's a really interesting idea. I actually have specifically not asked about it, Israelis and Palestinians, because the concept it takes time to, uh, to to explain to people, and people just focus on one aspect of what you're talking about. And they go off on a tangent, and I found whenever I asked about solutions, people would get confused by what I'm talking about. It's just not part of the the culture or the uh, the the political discussions. Something like that. There are people advocating for it, and actually, I think that's I think it's a great idea. Mm. I don't know if it would solve the 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 conflict um, because my issue. I, I say the the only real solution is a two state solution because it's the solution that everyone's been talking about for a hundred years. Um, right, but well, but this, this is cut, basically. But this and so they know what it is more or less. Mm. So at least you have some grounds to explain to the average person what we're talking about. I think there are obviously other solutions and people can be creative if you're smart. The problem is people are tired, people are angry, people are frustrated. And so smart goes out the window, unfortunately. So, so you're saying this confederate uh, solution, even that's, that would be a one state solution, but because it's, it might be a good solution, but because people haven't been, uh, it's not part of the narrative and people are not familiar with it, it's unrealistic compared to the two state solution. Is yes, that yes, okay. yes. Okay. And actually I think the confederacy idea of, or some sort of like a belgium -y type, Swiss type, you know, um, I mean, there's all different, there's different models. Um, I think actually they're probably better ideas. They satisfy more of the, the 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 points that people have, but they don't know much what it is. And there's been no real leaders who've really talked about any of these things publicly on any side. Um, so yeah, if there were, if you've got some really strong charismatic leaders, some Gandhis out there, um, some Martin Luther Kings who really could do that, then terrific. It just not, it doesn't seem to be happening. So for now, I say two-state solution because Everyone can wrap their minds around it, and nobody's very happy with it. But it's you know what? It's better than nothing. But, and, and nobody's I, and fighting I, for it. And, and nobody. Well, you know, there's a few. There's a couple of people here and there. There's a handful. My joke is when I go to these protests that are for like two-state solution, everybody there is Ashkenazi and 80 years old, and in five years they're not going to exist. So no one's going to be at these. Oh, and it's, no. it's not entirely. Uh, I mean, it's not entirely true, but it's not entirely untrue. <laughs> there, those are the people, the old school labor uh, Zionists who believe in a two state solution. And uh, there's not many of them left. So um, you, you need to have you need to have support behind it or for it to work. That's right. You know. right. So, um, Corey, thank you. I already forgot. 
Oh, the first question was what your personal uh, opinion would be about a solution, which you answered. Which you already asked. Oh, yeah, I said it. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I'll, and I say this to everybody. I will accept any solution, even if I disagree with it, that the majority will agree on on both sides. I don't see anything like that happening. But if everyone said it's a one state, bi a binational state, everyone's convinced of that, fine. I'll give, I'll give up my ideas of a Jewish state. I, and, I'm okay with that. And that's why we need to work on a bottom-up approach, because right now we can't get the majority to agree because both sides disagree. But if, I think we need to create an environment on the ground where we could have a solution with the majority on both sides. Sure. If you can convince people, I'm happy. It's a long, I, I gotta, long, long, long term solution. So I, I, I got I to ask you something. Sorry, I, I just thought Oof. this before you go, but I can't let you go without asking you this. Go ahead. Is there, is there a, because, you know, Armin's talking about the, you know, the bottom up. We're seeing in the new millennial generation, there are a lot of people leaving Islam. There are a lot of people who are open to ideas of secularism in the Muslim world. Are you seeing a generational difference uh, among either side in terms of how, because, you know, you work with university students and everything or? No, um, no, 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 no. If anything, it was a little bit like that 40 years ago. So there right. was a whole group of Israelis that came up where the dominant culture was secular and you, you were kind of laughed at for being religious. So Jews who came from Morocco or Iraq were kind of, they kind of hid their, their religion a bit. I mean, a little. Um, they kept it sort of as a personal thing. And if anything, about 30 years ago, because I was living here uh, or less than 30 years ago, yeah, 25 years ago I was living here because uh, that 20 years was a lot of off and on so I've been here from 1989 till today it doesn't matter um, there was a resurgence of becoming more religious slash traditional mm. so it's not really hardcore religion because nothing's really changed that much but people are a little bit more traditional in that sense some people leave some people go into it it kind of it's a kind of a revolving door thing yeah. um, but I don't see I, I don't see a generational yeah, but I'm like 50, so, you know, I don't hang around many 20-year-olds, so I, I don't know what's going on. Although my son is, I have a son, by the way, uh, uh, he's, oh. he's 19, but he's like very Tel Aviv, so I, I don't know. We met some Palestinians <laughs> that seem to completely disagree with everyone around them in, secretly. And they yeah, were, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's more of a, they're being like uh, rebellious. In Israel, yeah. even if you come from a religious family, unless you're ultra-Orthodox, you can still be secular. It's not such a big deal. Right. I have a lot of friends who grew up in very religious households, and they're very secular. And they still get along. They go to their parents for Shabbat. They do all those things. It's not in the Jewish community. It's not as the ultra-Orthodox. Yes, it's much more taboo. But mm. like you, that woman, I saw that was an excellent video, by the way. I forget. Uh, sorry, man, um, uh, uh, who you met in, uh, in uh, um, B'nai B'rak. Yeah. He was excellent. Yes. Um, and explained things that I wanted to make videos on that I went, I no longer have to make that video. Because <laughs> he explained about the kippa. I was like, per perfect. Somebody's done it. That's all I care. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so that community, yes, it's much more difficult to be an atheist. Yeah, yeah he was, I, and that's, I, a I minority, that's a minority here. So, by the way, I was I, I when we met with him, I made the mistake of calling refer, you know. So don't worry about Mr. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm he's very for, he, no, he's very forgiving when you make a mistake. He just yes, corrects yes. you very. I, nice. I'm gay, but I'm yeah. Transgender is is just as you know, like I have to remind myself. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. but no, he's very forgiving when you make a mistake. So that's and that, that was nice of him. Yeah. But go on, Ellie. No, I, I was saying that I would like to see you know, what you're saying about how people even who come from uh, Orthodox sort of Jewish backgrounds can be secular. I would like to. I mean, this, this is what, what might be oh, harder no, to be secular. Yeah. And I know a few. I, I, I know a few, but it, it's harder. It's, it puts a bigger strain. It's, I'm yeah, saying most people who consider themselves religious, religious in Judaism yes. 
uh, just wearing a kippah or traditional. They don't wear a kippah, but they really keep kosher and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Their child being an atheist, it's not such a big deal. It's right, right. not, yeah, it depends I, on the I family, think, but yeah. it's not such a big deal. Yeah, no, that, that was a th thrust of what and I And that's a nice thing about Jewish society in Israel, I have to yeah. admit. That's, and I, I, I would I, like to see that. I think uh, uh, yeah. the reason that I think that, the, and this is something that, you know, Armin and I can probably talk about later as well, too, is like the idea of, you know, Muslim becoming more of an identity than a religious thing. So people yeah. can be, your, yeah. your kid can be an atheist and you can still be part of the community, still yeah. do the holidays or whatever. Yeah, that be came from, interesting you know, 200 years of history. That's why. I'm sure 200 yeah. years ago, 200 years ago, the Reformation, anyway, uh, the, uh, uh, the Ascala, um, forget the word in English, um, when Jews became more secular, um, I'm sure at that point it was a lot of, it was very yeah, taboo. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so just for our audience, I am uh, speaking to Phil Zuckerman, who just wrote a new book. Uh, called uh, can you be it, it's about morality and religion so I, I'm trying to get him on he also talked about living the secular life and secularizing religions in this way so this is a topic we can probably explore Oof. there but uh, anyway uh, Corey I, I'm gonna we're gonna let you know. thank you so yeah, much I, for joining us I think oh, it's, a, it's a good time sorry somebody, somebody's coming in my room yes yeah, somebody's coming oh, okay. in your room but I think <laughs> so, we solved we solved Israel and Palestine I think we did it that's it it's yeah, done, yeah, done. Yeah, sure. no, no, Nobel, I'm, waiting Nobel. For, I'm waiting for all the peace and I can just travel around not be afraid, I think, and and my Palestinian friends can just do whatever they they want to do. I'm happy. We should that. you can you should include that address if you want to send us a Nobel Peace Prize because I think we just yeah, yeah. yeah so, right. I would end <laughs> that by saying uh, Insha Yahweh. So no. Insha so, Iblis. Okay, right, whatever. All right, all right, all right okay. Corey, and, thank you very much. And come here, come come and visit. Seriously, I, I would love. I'm to. Sorry, going to. sorry, I missed you. Sorry, I missed you the first time. Okay, Ali, we should, Ali we should go to Ali. We should I, go together. I I am actually going to be coming at some point uh, within the next year because I am working on a novel that Ooh. is geographically related to some of those really? areas. So so it'll be. I'm going to come to sort of research that at, at, at one point. So. Like yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look you up. That's true really, of your, of really your listeners. Absolutely, come visit, please. And come yeah, yeah. film with me. I love it when people come with me. Uh, <laughs> Great. That's, that's so kind of you, by the way. But no, I it's all really, kindness. They keep, me, a, they keep me honest, and they can ask questions. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be the only asshole who's asking these questions. <laughs> <laughs> they can do it. We need more assholes, is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay, that's good. That's how you can I, solve I, this. By problem. the way, I really, really regret that I didn't. The first time I came to Israel, okay. I didn't see you. But I, I'm, I'm gonna fix, may fix that next time. Next. We'll time. go. We'll right. go. Armin and I will come together. Okay. Anyway, right. thank you very much. Uh, we really you. appreciate it. Thanks to our audience who's listening, and um, thank you for your patience. Armin is back. I'm back. We're gonna be doing more shows together and everything, and getting back to the proper live streams. Now that our schedules are gonna be coordinated together, so we're gonna see you next time. Thank you. Bye, guys. The Secular Jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends, write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions, or head over to secularjihadists.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you. Thank <laughs> you.